Hi, and welcome to Season 2 of The Epic Pencil, a regular venue for original writing, conversations with writers, and more. I'm your host, Chris Watson. Thanks for joining me for tonight's episode, a bit of a memoriam inspired by a recent writing prompt. This time, the prompt provided was to think of a song, think of someone associated with that song, and then tell the story. The pieces that emerged from my writing group were wonderful, with reflections on childhood, faith, religion, the cross-generational power of poetry, and more. Mine was a bit more bittersweet, and resurfaced a memory that I had almost lost, but that in the context of the story I told, carried more weight for me than I realized in the 20-plus years since the event took place. I have walked over the salt marsh and through the town many times, and made many minor discoveries along the way, but it is the sea beyond which has always called me. John Hay, Life in Space The marsh is more complicated than people believe or understand. Franklin Jordan Watson I barely remember the first time I met my grandfather. I was, after all, only a few years old at the time, so my lack of memory may be excused. Still, the outcome of that meeting can be heard every time someone in the family speaks of Franklin Watson, who bent down to greet the newest member of the family with a gruff, I'm the captain of this ship. He was a marked man from that day forward. Even my best friends knew him as captain. What a wonderful name to have, especially in the eyes of a child. It conjures up images of Wild sea battles, raging typhoons, and nautical charts with mysterious places marked Here Be Dragons. It certainly didn't hurt that Captain told some of the best stories, whether he was regaling us with tales of his adventures in the South Pacific, or telling me how a constellation got its name as we stood beneath the glittering Northeast Ham night sky. He grew up on the water, building the Sumfun, a 28-foot mahogany cabin cruiser with my great-grandfather, Harry. Together they explored Narragansett Bay and its endless series of coves. Most often they would sail from Warwick and spend time around Jamestown, which holds a special place in our family lore as the spot from which the Watson family emerged in pre-revolutionary times. Captain once told me, I really didn't have a great interest in women at the usual age my peers did. I used to go out with them, but I also, well, I had a reputation that was mostly true that once or twice was enough and then I'd go on a date with someone else. There was the one girl I took to the senior prom, though, Her regular boyfriend was quite perturbed. Still, after a while, they started to say, go ahead and date him, but he'll disappear the moment the ice goes and it's boating time, then you'll never see him again. That, of course, is the mark of a truly dedicated sailor. When he was 17, he joined the Navy after Pearl Harbor, and shortly after his 18th birthday, was on his way to the South Pacific to join his ship, the light cruiser Montpelier. There, he steered the ship through the battles around Guadalcanal and the Solomon Islands to Hiroshima Bay itself after the bomb dropped, and eventually into New York Harbor on a snowy December evening at war's end. I must achieve my ambition of seeing the world, he wrote while sailing. This was the battle cry of a scholar, and he made good on it, studying in Europe, working with Vista volunteers in the Southwest, teaching high school in Rhode Island, getting his doctorate at Brown, becoming a college professor in Connecticut, and exploring the ever-changing face of Cape Cod. My grandfather loved ideas. He loved to hear them, to share them, to debate them, and to collect them. He had notebooks and index cards full of ideas, and they touched on every topic imaginable. 
For a man who claimed that he wasn't comfortable writing, he certainly had an impressive collection of notes and thoughts jotted down on every piece of paper he could get his hands on. On one of these index cards, I found a quote from Jacques Barzun. It said, The test and use of man's education is that he finds pleasure in the exercise of his mind. By this measure, life was a pleasurable experience for my grandfather. He reveled in using his mind and encouraged others to do the same. I was fascinated by my grandfather, for he seemed to have an inexhaustible well of information that he willingly shared. He taught me to sail on Salt Pond Bay and Nauset Bay on the Cape. We whiled away afternoons out on the water, sometimes underway, sometimes with a fishing line dangling off the stern. We'd watch the birds and the waves and the wind. We'd listen to the shushing of the marsh grasses as we headed out through the small cut from the boat ramp by the Salt Pond Visitor Center toward the interlocking bays and barrier beaches. I learned how to use an exacto knife while watching him carve bird models as we sat and talked in his shed on the Cape, the hard rain punctuating our discussions. He encouraged me to explore new ideas as I was growing older and trying to understand how the world worked. It was a skill he had, the ability to make people stretch their minds in new directions and nurture new ideas and perspectives. People, whether peers, friends, family, or students, recognized this talent for what it was, the mark of a true teacher. It was during my times on the Cape that I had the opportunity to see Captain in his element as we took long walks through the marsh and along the beach, his thin legs and tanned baseball cap with the extra-long black visor making him look like one of his beloved shorebirds. He would stand enthralled, watching the stately strides of a heron and weave his way among the sandbars, pointing out the hiding places of the razor clams and the fiddler crabs. When I began to have my own adventures at sea, we'd spend long evenings talking about them. He grilled me about the weather, the captains and the mates, and the sea life and the birds that I saw. He was older then and hadn't been on the water for some time, but immersed himself in my stories as I'd immersed myself in his. In time, he began to fade as Alzheimer's began to settle over him. In the end, he knew what was happening and had the strength of will to let himself go before he was completely gone. We gathered for a standing room only memorial in Connecticut and later a small gathering in Cedar Cemetery on Jamestown with the Navy contingent playing taps. And finally, some of his ashes were scattered on the water of West Ferry, where he and the Sum Fun had spent so much time. Writing this brought back many memories, including one I'd almost forgotten, the last time that Captain and I spent together out on the water, before he faded too far. Only this time, instead of me sitting in a small boat as he steered us through the salt marshes, it was me taking him out on my sailboat one final time on Narragansett Bay. We set out from the marina at the southeast tip of the island, out past the dumplings and then across to Newport and the Navy base where he had trained so many years before, and then farther north before turning home. He took the tiller and I remember now the expression on his face as he looked into the sun and breeze and sent us racing under the great bridge and past Rose Island Light. He smiled, and he laughed long and hard, pointing at his beloved seabirds. It was around that time that I realized one day that Captain and I actually had our own song. Jimmy Buffett might have written it about his grandfather, but clearly he had Captain and me in mind. 
As the son of a son of a sailor, I went out on the sea for adventure, expanding the view of the captain and crew like a man just released from indenture. As a dreamer of dreams and a traveling man, I have chalked up many a mile. Read dozens of books about heroes and crooks, and I learned much from both of their styles. Son of a son, son of a son, son of a son of a sailor, son of a gun, load the last ton, one step ahead of the jailer. In previous episodes of The Epic Pencil, I've read excerpts from the contemporary mystery that I'm writing. After I read this new piece to my writing group, Esme DeVault, a past guest here on The Epic Pencil, had a brilliant idea. Bring Captain into the murder mystery, using him and my experiences with him as an inspiration for a new character. But, she admonished me, I can't kill him off. So, it turns out that protagonist Jeff McClernand might just have a grandfather in Shelton's Cove, one with a love of sailing and shorebirds. We'll see how that turns out. In the meantime, thanks for joining me for this episode. As always, I enjoy your feedback at pretendingtowrite.com. The Epic Pencil will return soon with our next new episode. In the meantime, enjoy a great book or two, and remember to support your local independent booksellers. The Epic Pencil is copyright 2021 by Christopher Watson.
If you're interested in learning more about Sea Education Association and its programs for high school and college students, please visit them at sea.edu. With two schooners operating in the Atlantic and the Pacific Oceans, the teachers on shore and the scientists and professional crews on board have brought extraordinary experiences like mine to thousands of students from around the globe. Plus, they're doing important research into the impact of plastics upon our oceans. If you'd like to see some photos from my cruise on the westward, I hope you'll join me at pretendingtowrite.com and check out the blog entry, also entitled Message in a Bottle. Thanks for joining me this week. We'll return to some original fiction and interviews in the coming weeks. In the meantime, please enjoy a great book or two, and remember to support your local, independent booksellers. The Epic Pencil is copyright 2020 by Christopher Watson.